you're listening to Family Life at Cornerstone. A weekly devotion about what is happening in the life of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor at Cornerstone. And I'm really excited about what's taking place right now in the life of the church. And I want to talk about that a little bit with you all before we get into our chapter for the week. So we're in the middle of March. We're just a few weeks away from one of the, the high holy days of the Christian faith. The, the, the two miracles of the Christian faith that we celebrate each year are uh, the incarnation of Christ at Christmas and the resurrection of Christ at Easter. And we're just a few weeks away from that Easter celebration, that Resurrection Sunday celebration. And in order to prepare us for that, um, our uh, music minister, Cody Hickman, and a team of not only musicians, but others in within the congregation, they've been working really hard to present to us a traditional Tenebrae service. And that's going to take place on Friday, March the 30th. It's going to be later in the evening, and it's just going to be a really special time where we get together and we sing together and we hear the scriptures read, and there's going to be some other elements there. We're going to take communion together as a church on that Friday evening, but we're going to leave the service with a, a sense of the weight of grief that, that follows the crucifixion of Christ. And so I'm excited about that. I know Cody's put in a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of time. And I hope and pray that it'll be a very special time for us as a church. Now, I'm also excited because I just got back from Haiti. I spent a week in Haiti with a group of men, uh, and we were training, we were preaching, basically a pastor's conference for pastors within the network of churches that we work with in Haiti. And I was just delighted to be able to be there, and I taught four different sessions on various aspects of you know, how, how do pastors, how do we as men leading the church through the ministry of the Word, how do we do that faithfully and effectively? And so we did a pastor's conference on preaching. And man, I'm just really excited, not only about the fruit of that, but also I got to spend some time in our partner church in the city of Douain and with the pastor there, Pastor Mattache, and I actually got to meet with his wife as well. So I'm looking forward this coming Sunday to sharing some of those pictures and a little bit of my time there just to share with you an update of what's taking place there in Duin. Um, and also, I know it's only March, but we're just a few months away from our summertime ministry where Vacation Bible School is going to be taking place, where we're going to have another trip to Haiti. And so there's a lot taking place in the life of the church that I'm excited about. I hope that you are as well. And I hope that you can get involved in the ministry that's taking place here among us. Now this week, uh, we're going to continue in our study of the book by Jerry Bridges titled The Gospel for Real Life. And last week, I'm really thankful for Cody and Kenan for stepping in and discussing with you the wrath of God. This week, we're going to turn the corner on that discussion. And we're going to discuss another aspect of how Christ works to atone for our sin and to take our sin away from us and bring us to the Father. Today we're going to talk about the idea of a scapegoat. Now we we have some concept of what that means. I mean we understand that a scapegoat refers to a person or you know in the in the biblical case a thing that is completely innocent but that takes upon itself the 
the guilt of another and it takes it away. In fact, in, in the scriptures, we see this picture of a scapegoat come, come alongside a, another goat in what we know as the celebration of the Day of Atonement. Now, each year, uh, the Jewish people were called by God to gather together and to celebrate the Day of Atonement. And on that day, two things specifically happened. Now, there was a lot of preparation that went into that. The Jews were actually called upon to fast um, for the Day of Atonement to prepare for that day. But on that day, there would be two goats that were selected, two goats that were brought before the high priest. And one of these goats was to be killed as a sacrifice. And the blood of that goat was going to be taken by the high priest into the most holy place. And that blood is going to be um, sprinkled or, or actually cast into the side of the, the mercy seat. That's going to happen. Uh, and that was to symbolize and show that uh, the blood of this goat dying in the place of the people covers our sin. So it's, an, it's a goat of atonement in, in that sense. But there was a second goat in that day of atonement, in that celebration, and this goat was what we would call the scapegoat. And let me read this to you from Leviticus chapter 16, verses 20 through 22. And it says this, And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall prevent, present the live goat. And Aaron, that is the priest, shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it, all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and then send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the, the goat go free in the wilderness. Now, we've read this story before, many of us. Or some of us, it might be very new for us, but... For most of us, we know this story pretty well. And it's a really interesting picture. In fact, the, the picture, um, well, it kind of goes like this. Jerry Bridges talks about this on page 63 in the book. He says, hey, put yourself in the shoes of a devout Jew on this particular day. That devout Jew has come to the, the temple and he sees the high priest um, slaying the first goat as the propitiatory sacrifice. He watches as the priest disappears into the temple and into the tent of meeting. And the Jew understands that what he's doing is he's taking the blood of the goat into and pouring it on the mercy seat. And he knows that this is the only time the high priest is going to be able to do this all year. He knows that this is the only hope that he has of sacrifice being accepted and sins being atoned for. And he's very conscious of all of these things. And, and as he looks on, he's waiting, longing to see that high priest come out knowing that his work in the holy place has been successful. And then finally, that, that priest comes out. And when the priest comes out, he walks over to another goat. Not the slain goat, but the live goat. And when he comes over to this live goat, he wraps his hands around the horns of this goat and he begins to confess out loud the sins of all the people. Now, I mean, think about this. Put yourself in that position. I mean, it's hard enough for us to consider 
confessing our sins out loud. We cringe when we hear others sometimes confess their sin in Sunday school or maybe across the table or in community group. It's an uncomfortable feeling, but it's one that we can identify with. It's uncomfortable because we identify with it. We know that those sins, well, those are our sins. And here in this picture on the Day of Atonement, we see the priest holding the horns of this goat, confessing out loud all the sins of the people. Now, once he's done with that, he is to take that particular goat and he is going to send it away. He's going to cast it out. The the goat is going to leave the temple. The goat is going to leave the city. The goat is going to go out into the wilderness. And the symbol here is that all of the sins that were just confessed, all of the sins of the people were now transferred to this goat, and the goat carries those sins away. He is the scapegoat. Now, this is the picture that we see as we we read through the Scriptures. The idea that not only is our sin atoned for through blood, but our sins are separated from us in this atoning work of God. And this is, this is a wonderful picture for us. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting theological discussion. But the point of this chapter is to show that this, this is not just a, a theological fiction. This is a present reality for all of those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the true scapegoat. He is the one upon whom our sins were laid. And He has not only atoned for our sin like the first goat, but He has carried our sins away. They are no longer to be seen. And now the Bible gives us some language to help us understand that. More symbolic language to help us understand exactly what that means for us. And so I want to share some of these passages of Scripture with you. And I just want you to think on this and gain some confidence for yourself uh, from these texts. So here's the first one. Psalm 103 in verse 12. And we know this. We sing this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. Now, the significance of this expression, as far as the east is from the west, is this idea that there's an, that there's, our sin has been separated us to such a degree that it can't be brought back together. There's an infinite distance between the east and the west, and they never meet again. And this is what God has done for us. This is what God has done with our sin. Jesus not only bore our sins on the cross, but He carried them away an infinite distance. He removed them from the presence of God and from us forever. Do you think about your sin in that way? Well, you should. I should. We should. Often, when we think about our sin, it's it's too fresh. It's too near. It's too new. And, And our conscience is raw and feels guilty because of our constant need to confess our sins. But in this picture, we see Yes, we should feel some remorse over our sins, but we should also run to the cross and remember what Christ has done. Remember that He has separated us from our sins as far as the East is from the West. There's other passages of Scripture that bring this illustration home to us. Isaiah 38, verse 17, King Hezekiah says to God, You have put all my sins behind your back. Now, For those of us who have children, or for those of us who spend time with children, 
we understand that you know if if we take something and we hide it behind our back it's it it's not a big deal to them they know that it's there even though they can't see it they know that it's there they can run around the corner but that's not how god is the picture that that the bible is painting is that that god chooses to put our sin out of his vision it's an emphatic suggestion that god has decided on his part to put our sins behind his back He's not going to look at them anymore. He's forgetting about them. He is choosing to put them out of the way. Now, do you think about sin in that way? Bridges goes on and he says, the question that we must ask ourselves is, do we believe this is true? Do we believe the testimony of Scripture? Or do we believe our guilty feelings? Do we live with this reality every day. And Bridges goes on and he says, only to the extent that we believe God has indeed put our sins behind his back, will we be motivated and enabled to effectively deal with those sins in our daily lives. Here's another illustration from Isaiah 43. God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions. I do this for my own name's sake and I remember your sins no more. Now this is, this is interesting. Um, this is the idea of pardon. This is the idea that our, the guilt against us, the record that stands against us, has been blotted out, completely covered over. Now, we, we look at this sometimes, or at least I think about this, in terms of our, our judicial system, our legal system. And, you know, if an individual is found guilty of a crime, and let's say they, they serve that sentence, especially this is, this is common amongst young people who make foolish decisions in their youth. Well, if, if they are found guilty of those crimes and they basically pay their, their dues to society, they uh, maybe go through a course or some training or some reform situation, then what they have the opportunity to do after a certain period of time is they have the opportunity to go back and have their record blotted out, expunged. And what that means is if they are able to go through that and pass through it successfully, and in the eyes of the court they have paid their dues to society, then they can go back and they can have their sins and their guilt and their crimes blotted out forever. And, and later down the road, if someone is to look them up, they will see no sign that a crime had ever been committed. Now, that's what it means to be blotted out. That's what it means to have the pardon. And this is not just talking about in a court of this world. This is talking about the court of God. God has blotted out our sins. He has removed them from the record. They no longer stand against us. Bridges goes and he says this, He has done more, talking of God, God has done more than simply wipe the slate clean. God has actually thrown away the slate. He has blotted out our transgressions and He remembers them no more. Now, this is not that God forgets. God doesn't forget. God chooses not to set these things before His mind any longer. Why? Why does He do that? Why does He forgive our wickedness and remember our sins no more? Why does He put our sins behind His back? Why are our sins separated as far as the East is from the West? Well, that's when we come back to the scapegoat and we realize that the Old Testament picture finds its greatest fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus 
is the true and better scapegoat. He is the one that once for all took our sins, atoned for them in his death, and then separated them from us as far as the east is from the west. Now there's another illustration. There's the illustration from Micah chapter 7 verse 19 where we read this, You will hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And, and that's an interesting phrase. The idea of God taking our sin in His hand, our guilt in His hand, our shame in His hand, and not just you know, tossing it over the side, not just you know, hiding it and, and you know, slowly doling it out over the side, but He grabs it in His hand and He hurls it with all His might out into the depths of the sea. Now, I love that image. Because honestly, that's the way I feel often when I'm dealing with the grief of my own for, you know, failures or my own you know, sin again. I don't want to just slowly rip it away. I want it to be cast as far from me as I can possibly throw it. But I'm not the one throwing my sin away. Jesus did that. Jesus hurls our sins into the depths of the sea separating them from us so that we are now free to come into the very presence of God and to stay there, remain there, and be there as His child. Jesus is the true scapegoat. Jesus is the reality of the symbol from the Old Testament. When we think about our sin, we have to remember what Jesus has done. Jesus is not only the goat that is sacrificed, the lamb that was sacrificed in our place, but He's also the goat that carried our sin away into the desert, and we bear that sin no more. Now, these are all wonderful illustrations of a theological reality for those who are in Christ, but let's just be honest. I mean, this is, this is hard for us to deal with. This is hard for us to come to terms with. And it's hard because we, we, we constantly feel the growing weight of our own guilt before God. If we are sensitive to our sin, which I believe we will be, the more and more we grow in our faith, the more and more we come to know Christ and grow in our understanding of God's Word, the more we come to an understanding of our own brokenness and our sin. And as we grow and we grow more sensitive to our violation of God's law, it's very, it's very easy for us to fail to see and remember what Christ has done. And we can walk away just weakened by our own wicked hearts. But we have to go back and remember the gospel. That's what this book is all about. That's what this exercise is all about. We have to go back and remember that by faith, Jesus has borne our sin away. He has carried it away from the very presence of God. Bridges goes on and he says, do this. When you're, when you're struggling with the weight of your sin, visualize the Old Testament scapegoat carrying away the sins of the people. And then remind yourself that this is an accurate picture of what Jesus did with your sin. And he goes even further and he points out this. He says, and, and where the Old Testament scapegoat is a beautiful picture of what God does with our sin, the, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that the work of Christ in this way is far greater than the Old Testament shadow. The Old Testament images and symbols were mere shadows, but Christ is the substance. And the language that the writer of Hebrews uses is, how much more is Christ to be valued? How much more will the blood of Christ cleanse our conscience 
from sin so that we may serve the living God. Now this is a, a wonderful thing, a wonderful exercise for us to get in the habit of doing. And, and this helps us understand exactly why it's important for us to remember the gospel daily. So that we can remember what God has done for us. So that we can remember what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And we can walk not in the pain and shame of present failure, but that we can be reminded of the wonderful reality of the gospel for us today. And we can be freed from a guilty conscience and we may serve the Lord faithfully today. Okay, so there's another word that he uses in this chapter. Not only does he use the word scapegoat and he talks about that, but he uses the word expiation. Now expiation is an interesting term. Uh, We've already looked at another word, the word propitiation. And the idea of propitiation really is uh, that one took the place of another. One, in this case Christ, bore our sins. Uh, But expiation is a little bit different. Expiation means removal, and it accompanies propitiation. The two work together to help us understand the fullness of what God accomplishes through Christ in our atonement. Propitiation is like the first goat, where the blood is shed, dying in our place, and then it is uh, working atonement for us. Expiation is like the goat, the scapegoat, the one that takes our sin and removes it from us. So here's a theological term to go along with this biblical concept of the scapegoat. And Jesus is both for us. Jesus is both. Now, look, you don't have to really pay a whole lot of attention to that word expiation. he, He goes on in this book and he says, it's not necessary in your Christian growth that you make expiation a part of your vocabulary. But it is necessary that we as Christians make this concept a part of our thinking and our theology. Because only in that can we realize just what Christ has done for us. So here are some questions that Bridges asks at the end of the chapter, starting on the bottom of page 67. He says this, Do you grasp in both your heart and mind what the message of the scapegoat says to you? Do you believe that Jesus really has carried away your sin and that God has indeed removed it as far as the east is from the west? Do you by faith lay hold of the glorious truth that God has put all your sin behind His back, that He has blotted it from His record, that He remembers it no more? Do you rejoice in the fact that God has hurled your sin into the depths of the sea and will never count it against you? Do you see God showing us in all these wonderful Old Testament metaphors that the work of Christ is infinitely greater than the greatest depth of your sin? Wow. Those are some important questions. Those are some beautiful truths and realities. The work of Christ, he says, is finished. Nothing more remains to be done. God's wrath has been propitiated. Our sins have been removed. And the question is, will you appreciate it? Not only at the beginning of your salvation, at the initial moment of your faith, but for every day-to-day acceptance with God. It is only as we do this, as we remember this day-to-day, that we truly begin to appreciate the glory of the cross and the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBCWiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thanks for listening.